Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have crossed the episode 250 mark. We are up to episode 252. And as I've said many times as we were leading up to this and and all, I just can't believe that we did so many. I set out with the intention two and a half years ago of doing 50 episodes. I had been at a conference and the person who was speaking said, if you ever feel you're in a rut, Go out and interview 50 people who are successful, and you will find ways to get yourself out of that rut. And originally, I was just going to do that on my blog. I was going to do a series of written interviews. But as you all know, two and a half years ago, everyone with a pulse was starting a podcast, and I didn't want to miss out. So I thought, I'm just going to do 50 episodes. And now this has become a big part of my business. You know, a lot of my clients have been on this. A lot of my friends from the speaking business have been on this. But we learn with every episode and every time we interview somebody. And so it's been a learning experience for me and hopefully for those of you who tune in. And thanks for, for, to those of you who tune in regularly for being a part of the little community. I love it when someone emails me and tells me why something they heard on the show really matters. And I really like it when I hear that uh, you want to get involved. You want to join the Facebook page or you want to get involved with the Potential Project, which used to be called the Cool Things Project. It is now all focused on how do we get people to reach more potential. If you want some information on that, it's really affordable. And we meet every Monday and have a little Zoom hangout call and people in the group kind of help each other Find ways to get closer to that potential because just because you have potential doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have results. There's a huge paradox with potential, and that is that just because we think we're going to be able to accomplish things doesn't mean we actually will. And to be successful as an entrepreneur or in anything you're doing, results are better than not, no results. So check out the Potential Project. You can go over to TomSinger.com under the About menu. If you just click on that, there'll be a thing that says Group Coaching Program, and you'll find out everything that you need to know. So let's jump into today's episode. I am really, really excited because my friend Shana Suko is on the show. And you know what? She has been in business for herself for a long time. She started out as a corporate planner and corporate trainer, but soon started her own meeting planning company. And then she realized as a planner that there wasn't really anywhere for kind of the senior planners to go. There was a lot of places where a lot of newbies in the or in the world showed up, but she was looking for people who had that five to 10 years experience where they could just share ideas. So she started SPIN, which stands for the Senior Planner. Oh, gosh. Shauna, what's it, what does it stand for? <laughs> it is the Senior Planners Industry Network. Tom. Industry Network. I almost messed that up. And rather than make up a word, I thought <laughs> I would just call Shauna into this. Anyway, she started that and has run that for a long time. And then she's made a very interesting pivot the last couple of years. And that is she herself has jumped over to the dark side. She has become a professional speaker, which is how I met her. And so I wonder internally if she's conflicted between being a planner and a speaker and maybe what she's learned from being on both sides of the fence. We can talk about that today. So Shauna Suko, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I am so happy to be here with you, Tom. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So I don't like reading bios and I just sort of jump around. Why don't you tell everybody about your business and the different things that you do? Sure. Well, based on my creating that crazy association called SPIN, 
it kind of pushed me into speaking more. And, and what I spoke about originally was how buyers behave. And I was, my mission was to bridge the communication gap between buyers and sellers. And so I was kind of pulling back that curtain in, in my planning industry and letting salespeople know kind of how planners are thinking and what their buttons were and what their pet peeves were and so forth. And that has now become my career, strangely. So I'm not a planner anymore. I've been speaking and in writing and helping salespeople and small business owners understand that buyer mentality, not just in the hospitality industry anymore, but it it's shifting across all industries. It's a crazy time to own your own business or be a salesperson. Oh, and it is. I mean, it used to be that, you know, when I first went into sales, gosh, 30 years ago, I had a lot of control when I would meet with a potential buyer because maybe they didn't know much about my company or my product or my service. And so I used to go in with like the cardboard folder. You, you know, you, you're probably too young to remember this, but I'm very, very young. I'm, I'm so very young. young. Very. I mean, how did you do all this and still only be 19? It's amazing. I know it's amazing. It's a, it's, I'm a prodigy. But I used to go in and I'd have this cardboard folder with little one sheets. And when I wanted to tell them a feature or benefit of what I was selling, I would hand them the one sheet and then walk them through the bullet points. And then when I was ready for them to learn something more, more about my company, I'd give them another piece of paper. And now, if you even can get a meeting with a buyer, yep. they have looked you up online. They have all the power in where this conversation is going to go. So so certainly over 30 years, but amazingly in the last five or six years, the whole world of selling has changed. Absolutely. And, and the sales funnel has really shortened because you don't have the opportunities to educate your prospects anymore. As you said, they're very, very educated by the time they come to you. Oh, absolutely. Everything's changing. And and that's, you know, when and if they, they come to you. So (laughs) it's the whole game has changed and prospecting has changed and it's a whole new ball game out there. And, uh, thanks to uh, the internet and technology. So what led you backing up to when you started your meeting planning business, what led you to leave sort of the corporate job and, and start your own thing? What, what was that pull inside of you that said, I'm going to go out on my own. I just, I really, even at a a young age, I had only been in the corporate world for seven years and I just hated the internal politics of it all and answering to someone and having to, you know, clock my hours. And, and (laughs) it, it was just, it was just a whole bunch of rigmarole that I thought I would just rather be, be the one in charge and control my own life, my schedule, my destiny, my own happiness, et cetera. So now that you have, you know, been working for yourself for a long time, and now that you have sort of switched over to the speaker side, what's the biggest thing you've learned from being a buyer of products and services as a meeting planner to being the, the vendor who sells now to meeting planners as a speaker? What's, what's the biggest thing you've learned having straddled both sides? Oh, my goodness. That is a loaded question. There's so <laughs> many things that I've learned along the way. So I've been on my own since 1999. And the buyer really, it's an interesting how the pendulum swings back and forth when the buyer has control in a buyer's market and then a seller has control in a seller's market. And one of the most important lessons I learned as a buyer was how you treat people when you have the power 
is how they're going to treat you when they have the power. Oh boy. I mean, that's the old adage of how you treat people on the way up, right? It's, you know, you got to treat everybody well. Exactly. And depending on what industry you're in, almost every industry is subject to fluctuations where it's a seller's market and then it's a buyer's market and then it's a seller's market. You know, it follows the economy across most industries. And so that was a, a really good lesson that I learned. And now I, I teach that lesson when I'm speaking to either, I do still speak to buyers. And, and then when I speak to salespeople, it's guys, you know, it, you have to be respectful and, and really protect those relationships, whether you have the power or whether they do, because it, it will come back to haunt you. <laughs> and so I maintain that now that I'm on the, the sales side <clears throat> and really just be respectful to the people that I'm, that I'm approaching and approach them not with a sales mentality, but a helping mentality. And that leads to a better, stronger relationship. It leads to trust, which leads to um, referrals. It leads to business. It's, it's all good things, you know, are at the end of that road. So people who listen to the show are kind of across industry lines, but, you know, you and I are both speakers. What do you find is sort of the biggest problem that planners have with speakers from the sales side? What is it that annoys the heck out of, <laughs> out of planners? Cold calling and saying, hey, you want me. You, you need to hire me. I'm the best. You know, and that's not just speakers. It's I was going to say that crosses <laughs> industry. Salesperson. <laughs> yeah, that crosses industry lines. So, so if it's annoying when people cold call, how do we how do we circumvent that? Well, first of all, you have to do your research, and you can't just be an interruption salesperson, where you just interrupt their day and shove things in front of them and say, "Hey, this is great. You know, buy this." It's it's more about doing research for what that buyer's job is and what's going to interest them the most, what their day is like, what their company is like, um, and being informed with that information before you reach out to them so that you're not starting with, do you ever, I hate that, that opening line from a salesperson, do you ever buy widgets that are blue? (laughs) I'm hoping by the time the salesperson reaches me, they already know that answer. Right. And usually they do. So it's kind of a smarmy question, right? It's like it if, I, if I contact, if I know. contact a meeting planner who, you know, has a conference of 500 people and, you know, I know for a fact that they're looking at, you know, hiring an MC or I know for a fact that their keynote speakers have often been people with, you know, similar backgrounds and, and topics to me. If I call and go, oh, do you ever hire someone like this? And I know the answer, then it's, it's a little misleading. Well, and also the, see, now you've, you've kind of answered your own your own question there, because you know that they have a 500 person meeting and you've already done preliminary research. There are a lot of salespeople that just call up and say, do you ever plan meetings? Do you ever plan <laughs> meetings in Topeka, Kansas? Do you ever plan meetings for salespeople or women or, you know, farmers or whatever? And they haven't even done their basic research. And that's not the basis for forming a relationship. That's the basis for, for closing a transaction. And your chances of closing that transaction when you start that way are slim to none these days. 
So how has social media played into this? I mean, how does, you know, people, you know, kind of pitching themselves online constantly, how does that affect the buyer-seller that, relationship? Yeah, that's, that's, to me, that's not social media. That's using a social media tool in, a, in an ishy, to, you know, to use our word, in an ishy way, in a smarmy way. Social media is supposed to be social. It's about building the relationship that will then lead to the sale, not about shouting from the rooftops, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. So the salespeople who are most successful on LinkedIn, for example, are connecting purposefully and from a position of helping and assisting, not selling. And so LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever tool you're using depends on where your demographic is. So, you know, starting with that, my demographic is, is on LinkedIn. And so it's a matter of connecting with them, having looked at their profile, knowing you know, what they do, at least preliminarily, knowing who they're connected to that you might be connected to and starting a conversation and not sending a generic request to connect and not as soon as they accept and not following up with, hey, do you ever or hey, buy my stuff. It's more like, hey, you know, I saw that you just had a huge conference in Canada. How did that go? See, the tone is just completely different and the results are going to be better because they might actually get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) So coming out of the industry and then turning around and selling to the industry, is it is it an advantage to you that you've been a planner and that you've founded this association that's highly respected for planners or can that be a detriment? You know, it's both. A lot of people who know me, who know my name, still think of me as a planner. And I really haven't been for six years. Mm. And so they, they still kind of put me in that box. And, um, when they hear that I'm speaking, they feel that, oh, she must speak about planner topics Uh and I can, but I, I really, my passion is now helping salespeople understand buyers across all industries. And so it does pigeonhole me. But then the good part of it is I understand how they think, which, and I understand how buyers in general think now because it's the same across all industries, buyer behavior and and so forth. So now that I understand that, it helps me reach out a little bit more authentically and be more conversational and understand their pain points. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely two different hats and two different <laughs> edges to the sword, I guess you could say. So you bring up a really interesting thing that I think happens to a lot of people, especially maybe people who work in corporate America who who want to go follow their dream and start their own business. It might be it might be the same, but it might be different than what they've been known for. And so yes. if people see you as a, as a box and, and you're <clears throat> so big and you're blue, how do you break out of that stereotype when trying now to approach some of those same people for different products or services? That is a great question. I've, I just struggled with that for a year myself. And I decided that my third book was going to be focused outside the industry. I wanted to have a clean break between what people knew me for and where I was headed. And it took me a year to realize that I should not have such a clean break, but embrace who I was because those people are my champions and my cheerleaders and my friends and my ambassadors. And so (laughs) it's interesting you bring that up now because it's really just been a few months where I've said, okay, I don't need to just abandon the industry. I need to really embrace it and ask, ask those people for help and, 
and um, partnership. So, in your so new, it's, in your, yeah, it's full circle. And your new book is all about joining the sales evolution. I believe it's called Don't Become Extinct. Yes. And I've seen uh, I've seen the cover of it, and it's got a dinosaur on it, and it's kind of a scary looking dinosaur. So and it should be, yes, because <laughs> it's, a, it's a scary time. It's it's a scary time. So so you've broken away from the meetings business, and you're going all into this sales and buyer relationship piece. So tell us a little bit about the book. Well, the reason it's a scary time is I did a, a huge buyer survey. I did I did a bunch of research, and the results were very clear to me that. 80% of traditional salespeople using traditional tools in a traditional way are going to become extinct in the next 10 years. Wow. It's the writings on the wall. And, uh, for example, think about the way that, that we buy cars today. Mm. We're, you know, by the time you step on that car lot, you already know what make and model you're going to buy what price the dealer paid, you know, the color, you know, all the features, you just want to close the deal and you don't want to be bothered. And, and you know what? That's a great example. Cause although it's three years ago, three years ago, that's exactly how I bought a car. And my yes. previous car five years earlier was very different. When I, yes. when I bought the car that I have now, I knew what, what my pay rate, I had a range of like a, you know, $1,500 price range where anything in that was going to be fine over not enough below that. I would dance around in my underwear, but, right. uh, you know, I, <laughs> Figuratively, visual, figuratively, wow. not literally, but, uh, <laughs> but, but honestly it was, that was exactly how I bought that car. And just yeah. to let you know, I should have danced in my underwear cause I got a great well, deal on it. Yeah. Well, so, so I ask you, what value did that salesperson bring to your transaction at that point? None whatsoever. Right. And so that salesperson is going to become extinct in the next 10 years. In fact, it's already happening. I was speaking to a group on this very topic and a gentleman came up to me from Houston and he said, this is already happening in Houston. There's a new, I don't know how many stories, let's say a 10 story building and it's all full of cars from top to bottom. It's like a big parking garage and you buy your car online, you show up and a customer service person hands you the keys, you sign the paperwork, and you drive off the lot. <laughs> and you've already negotiated the deal online. You, you know the price you're paying. You just sign the paperwork and drive away, and you've got 30 days to return the car if you don't like it. So that's it's so interesting. transactional. That is so interesting because yesterday we uh, went to Costco, and out front there was a Cadillac, and there was information about buying your Cadillac through Costco. And I thought, what did they have them like in a pack of three inside? What's the deal? But, but that was fascinating. Right. And so it, everything is changing as far as the value that the traditional salesperson brings. Gosh, that is, that is, that is amazing. So if someone's yeah. listening to this and they're thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to take the leap. I, I want to start my own business. I'm, I'm ready to go sell my product and service. What advice do you have for someone who, who wants to go that direction? My first advice is you've got to build up your social proof. As soon as you have your first customer and your first sale, and hopefully they are as happy as can be with you, you've got to get, if possible, a video testimonial of them singing your praises because your future customers, prospects, don't believe what you say about yourself and how great you are. They will believe what other people say about you and how great you are and, and what you do. So that's another major shift is we believe strangers online about how great that car or that car dealership is before we believe the car dealership. 
So you've got to gather social proof at every turn and written testimonials don't count for much anymore. So that's why I say video and just capture it on your phone. So pump up your social proof, humanize yourself in your website, in your LinkedIn profile. People buy from human beings nowadays. 90% of customers don't trust businesses anymore. They trust human beings. So it's about social proof. It's about humanizing yourself and acting like a real person, which is contrary to how most of us start out when we start our business. We feel like we have to be so businessy and so professional and so, you know, act like we're bigger than we are. Um, and you know, we're, we're, we're a huge company when really you're just a solopreneur sitting in an office somewhere. That's okay today. It's respected today and it's appreciated today when you're honest and forthright and human. So it's, there's a whole lot of things outlined in my book. That's, you know, that's the tip of the iceberg, but those are two of the most important things I believe. So, you know, you bring up an interesting point that, you know, people want to do business with people they know, they like, and they trust. And that's sort of a a cliche, but it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't think that that's changed. I think if anything, it's more amplified today because technology and the internet has made things so impersonal. And so we crave that human interaction more than we ever used to because everything, even Facebook is impersonal. You're, you're talking to, you know, 500 quote unquote friends, (laughs) who are you really talking to? So, you know, we crave that human interaction with real life human beings. And those are going to be the people we trust, we buy from, and we refer. Well, you know, because you spent so much time working in the meetings, you know, industry that, for years, the reason you went to industry conferences, and I'm, a, you know, on the stuff I speak on, I'm a huge believer that you've got to be participating in your industry trade association. I just, I, you know, I know you through the National Speakers Association, and actually, we met before that. We met through through Spin at I conferences. Think. Yeah. yeah, well, we no, at conferences that you had spoken at, and right. I had I had heard you speak, and yeah, you're you're fantastic. Just as an aside. Oh well, thank you. You can say that again. What was that? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, fantastic. <laughs> Do you want me to spell that? Yeah, that's all. That's all right. But but it used to be. I, I talk. A lot about why it's so important. And as you know, I'm really involved with the National Speakers Association, but I tell everybody if I was a plumber, I would be involved with the National Plumbers Association. If I was a locksmith, I would be involved with the National Locksmith Association. And it used to be you had to go to those events because it was the only place you were going to get the cutting edge, state of the art information about your industry. But today, because of the internet, we, we can get all the information on any subject we want right on our phones. And so people predicted as the internet grew that, oh my gosh, that's the end of the live meeting business. I mean, 10 years ago, when I became a speaker, people said, that's a stupid business to go into. There will be no more meetings. <laughs> we thought that. We all thought that. And yet in but- 2017, this will be the biggest year ever in the history of live meetings you know, for the meetings business. And so with that – comes that fact that people are coming to make those connections. Like you said, they're starving for it. So that leads me to the question of how important is your network and networking if you're going to have your own business? Huge. How else are you going to make those human connections and build your tribe and build your your passionate ambassadors who are going to help you shout from the rooftop? You've got social media, which you know you can try to do that and be as as personal as you can, as human as you can, but it, it is still a technology. And then there's face-to-face and face-to-face is critical. And I, I just wanted to piggyback on something you just said about joining your industry, you know, your trade associations. 
Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. As an adjunct to that, I, I tell, uh, you know, like meeting planners, let's, let's use that example again, meeting planners who have their own business that are looking for new business. Where do they network? They go to meeting planning industry events and where all their competition is hanging out. So that's great for learning and networking within your own industry. But if I were a plumber, in addition to the plumbing trade association, I would try to be the only plumber at the home builders association Amen. or some other, the, the pipe sellers association where I'm not just surrounded by my competitors, but I'm also, you know, I'm standing out in this other association that I belong to, but absolutely association presence and membership is critical to the success of any small business. Well, I'm always surprised how the, you know, a little aside here, how these membership associations will hire, you know, vendors, not just speakers, but a lot of vendors who don't support their own industries by being active in, in their trade association. I actually, I actually was interviewed by somebody recently, and he specifically asked me, are you involved with the National Speakers Association? And when I said yes, he goes, that's a plus in your column because when speakers say no, I'm a membership organization. I need the people in my industry to belong to mine. And he goes, so I want all my vendors to belong to theirs. And I said, God, how come every executive in an association doesn't feel that way? And he said they should. Yeah, he said, he goes, goes, I try not to hire anybody who's not involved with their trade associations. That's fantastic. I I love that. I love that thought process. I'm going to start adopting that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it was, it was true. He said, you know, if I hire, you know, a speaker or if I hire, you know, whatever it is, he goes, I want to make sure that, that they support the concept of the association because that's what my members are. That's that's right. how you know our lifeblood is. So right. so it is it is important. But I'm I'm now going to say something that I see you quite often. We cross paths just along the advice you gave at things like Meeting Professionals International or uh, the Association, the American Society of Association Executives, or the Professional Convention Managers Association. But very few of our peers spend the time or the money to participate in those organizations. And yet I get business because I support them. Because you show up and you support them and you, yes, you give, not just take. And that's, that's, I probably shouldn't have said that because more of our peers will start showing up. I know we really, can you, can you edit that out? That's right. We'll clip that out. Don't go to those organizations if you're a speaker. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Total (laughs) flushing money. Don't do that. So, so Shauna, I've got a couple more questions for you before I let you go. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. Will will you let me do that? Of course. All right. Well, this episode was brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and that headache out of creating your own podcast. You see, Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing the coolest guests like Shauna Sukow. So if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things, and you'll find an offer for the listeners of this show. So Shauna, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the most exciting, cool, new, fun thing you're doing with your business right now? Oh my goodness. I, well, my third book is just released and I could not be more excited. I'm just, I, it, it was a long, long baby 
to birth. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, that baby was was gestating for a long time. And so. that's the book, Don't Become Extinct, Join the Sales Evolution. Yes, available on Amazon. Excellent. And when you look it up, you look for that scary looking dinosaur on there. Yes. You know, yes. You, you know, you got the right <laughs> book. So, so that's new and exciting. I mean, why is it so exciting? It's, um, it really, I think, is going to help a lot of salespeople and small business owners to differentiate themselves and really make new connections at a time where salespeople everywhere are struggling with that, with that very thing. <laughs> and it's going to help them to stay relevant to their current and their future customers and help them be more successful. And, and also the whole point, in my opinion, of being more successful is so that you have more free time. And a lot of salespeople think they need to work harder these days. And that's just not true. So have more free time with your family, um, to go do things for yourself and not always be on the clock. So that's, that's the ultimate, I think, benefit of, and, and excitement that I, that I have right now. Now you've also had a couple of interesting travels cause I stalk you on Facebook. Let's face it. We all stalk our friends on Facebook. <laughs> so you've spoken this year in the last year in some really interesting places. Where are some of the coolest places that you've had the, the privilege of the platform to present? Oh my goodness. So, um, this past year I've spoken in five continents and I'm just dying for Australia. So if you know anyone in Australia, please, I'm dying to do, that's the one continent I need to hit other than Antarctica, but how realistic is that? We've got, we've got Australian listeners because every now and then I'll get an email. So if you're from Australia, you know, hunt her down, get her hired. (laughs) But yeah, probably my favorite in this past year was, um, Malaysia and, um, Cambodia oh, wow. just because of the nature of, of the speaking engagements and who I, you know, it, it was really interesting to, to hear that salespeople in the far reaches of, of Asia are struggling with the same things as they are in Des Moines or Seattle. See, that's awesome. And don't rule out Antarctica. You know, you, you, you're, you're selling short that penguin market. I, I think I am. So, I'm going to keep it on there. Keep it right. on the list. You never know. There could be that 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 convention of penguins that that yes. you know, need <laughs> need to get I'm involved. There. So there. So one of my favorite things I ask everyone who comes on the show is who's another entrepreneur that you think is doing something cool? Because we could talk about Shauna all day long. However, I think great entrepreneurs. I think they're observers. So I love to hear their point where they say, you know, that person they're doing something cool. Ooh, I just, this just came across my inbox today, as a matter of fact. Um, You may know her, Tom, Meredith Elliott Powell. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and she sent me, so as part of my my official book launch, she sent me a, um, like a freebie that I could give away to people who buy the book. And when I went to her link, she uses lead pages which I am highly interested in exploring some more to as a lead generating tool for her business. And it was just so clean and sharp. And, um, and she just made use of a lead page, a lead pages template. And just, it looked so professional, but she looked so approachable at the same time. And I think that's, that it it was just a brilliant piece that she sent out. And I know she's going to generate a ton of leads, with this, um, with this new offering that she's got. So that's great. Yeah. I met her. Well, I've met her a couple years ago, but we actually spoke at the same conference uh, about six months ago. So I got to know her a little bit better. Great. Yeah. I don't know her well, but, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I've seen her speak once and she was fabulous. 
So then the last question I ask everybody is, you know, I think more than just making money, I think entrepreneurs want to leave their mark on, on the world. So what is it that you do to give back to the greater good? That I, I love this topic. I, I am a proud supporter of an organization called Together We Can Change the World. And I will be joining the group on my second mission trip to Southeast Asia to help women and girls to improve their lives and their, and their opportunities for livelihood. Mm. And um, as part of that trip, we will also speak to small business owners in uh, communities in Thailand and Cambodia to help them increase their own success. So it's just, it hits on all my buttons as an entrepreneur, as a, as a woman, as a mother, as a, as somebody who loves to travel the world, it's, it's just a fabulous organization. So what was together the name? we can change the world. That's the name important. of the organization together. Mm-hmm. We can change the world. So, and they can yes. find that probably at together. We can change the world.com. If they abbreviate it T now I got to think about it. TWCCTW.org. Excellent. I'll go and check that out. I think that's great. Yes. So, Shana Suko, if someone is listening to this episode and they're thinking, I got to know more about this lady, you know, my, my business, my sales are, are going through an evolution and I'm afraid of being extinct and, and I need to bring this lady into my company or for my association. How in the world do they find you? Well, thank you for asking. They can find me at thebuyerinsider.com mm. or certainly I encourage everyone to check out my book on Amazon I think it'll help you out a lot, and that is Don't Become Extinct, and uh, just check that out on Amazon. That is so great. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to jump on and be a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. It's people like you who bring so much inspiration to the people who listen to podcasts and certainly to the people who listen to my podcast. So thank you so much for being part of our community. It's been my pleasure, and thank you for doing this podcast and doing it for as long as you have. You're really, I think you're out there changing lives. Thank you, Tom. Well, I appreciate it, and it's been a lot of fun for me, but, you know, the secret is I'm learning so much because I get people like you, you know, for like an hour. Someone told me the other day, I was at South by Southwest, and this gentleman came up, and he said, I've been listening to your show. You're really getting better at being an interviewer. He was really excited, and I said, well, yeah, after 200-plus interviews, you know, <laughs> that, I, I would hope. It's like any, it's like speaking. It's like the more you do anything, the better right. you're going to get, but the right. real secret secret is, is one of the things I do now is when I'm the master of ceremonies at an event, I offer up to my client, you know, for your keynoters, instead of doing Q&A, which, you know, it depends on how good the speaker is at managing Q&A. Sometimes it can be crickets. You know, the, oh. spe- the speaker says, hey, does anybody have any questions? We have microphones out in the audience. And then you could hear like paint dry on the walls and it just sort of <laughs> kills the momentum. And I said, instead of doing that, I'm a skilled interviewer. Let me come out as the MC. And have a couple of high boys on the side of the chair, you know, high chairs, and we'll sit down and I'll interview the speaker for Q&A. And that way it can be stuff the speaker wants to go deeper on. And we can take some live Q&A if the audience wants to do it. But if nobody jumps up to the microphone, there's no crickets because I'm there to continue to ask questions. And so in a way, people are like, oh, you've interviewed all these people. I'm like, yeah, it gave me a whole other marketable skill that I now use in my own business that I probably never could have done three years it's ago. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. So. Anyway, again, thank you for being here. And to everybody who tunes in and listens, especially if you stay all the way to the end, I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, 
we wouldn't have a show. So thank you so much for being part of the community. I would love to have you join the Potential Project. Never before has there been a time that you need to be part of a mastermind group, whether it's one you form with your friends, whether it's part of your trade association, or whether it's a group coaching program like the Potential Project. Now is the time because you can't do this entrepreneurial game all by yourself. you got to have some other people bring in other points of view. And so I'd love to have you join us on that. But hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Shauna. I know that's hard to believe, but it's going to happen. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.